I want you to go with me today to John chapter 11. It is such a blessing and an honor today while you're standing to have some of our dearest friends with us from Atlanta, Georgia. Atlanta, Georgia. They pastor an amazing work there. You've heard me say good morning to them before. And when he takes time to come visit his mom and dad who live in Chattanooga, we often get to see them, and it's just an honor when we get to see them. They pastor a great church, an exploding church, a church that is uh, growing, and they're in the midst of buying property and building a new building to handle the increase and it's right in what God is doing in Atlanta. Would you help me thank God and welcome Pastor Leonce and Brianna Crump. They're with us here on the front row. Tell them good morning. We're humbled to have you guys and your precious baby daughter that has grown like four feet since I saw her last time. She's so tall. It is amazing what God's doing in their life. They have a beautiful family and a beautiful church. I just felt like we were supposed to pray over you, uh, Pastor Leonce, before I even read the scripture today because I just want to declare over you, uh, family, that lack is not your problem. If any city needs a multicultural, spirit-filled place that is full of the love and the power of God, it is Atlanta, Georgia. And I just declare you're going to see, continue to see walls of racism and division brought down in that city. There's a grace on your life for that. Father, I stretch my hand over him now, over he and Brianna and their beautiful family and church. I commend to your hands and your provision, Lord, this vision that you have given them. I thank you that lack will not be their problem. Bless them in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Provide for him supernaturally. Let doors open for your glory. May the kingdom be advanced through their life. In the name of Jesus, I pray. And I hear the Lord saying he trusts you with this assignment. And so he trusts you with the provision that accompanies this assignment. Father, do it for him today in Renovation Church in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I love you, sir. I love you, sir. John chapter 11. So I've asked them to chain the doors and bar them up so you can't leave on me. I'm kidding. Um, we have been in a study called Revival Apologetics for the last several weeks, and we've been talking about things that happen in a move of God and during a move of God that sometimes, uh, well, I think in every case where the Spirit of God moves, it often brings need to provide explanation. How many know explaining what God is doing is not a bad thing? The first thing Peter did after the Spirit of God was poured out in Acts 2 is he explained what happened. Because the worst thing that can happen for a people is that they see something they don't understand and never enter into it just because they don't know about it. There is more of God available and there is more of God hidden than has ever been revealed. So it compels us to believe that there is the more of God and just because you haven't seen it yet or just because they didn't teach you or tell you about it when you were growing up in church doesn't mean it's not God and it doesn't mean it's not available. So I really felt like a pastoral unction from the Spirit of God for the last few weeks and for today to talk about things that happen in a move of God and during the outpouring of the Holy Spirit that sometimes, you know, you just leave with questions. And I'm not saying I'm going to be answer, able to answer all those questions but I do believe this is a framework work that is not just about explaining and giving information. It is really a bridge of revelation that some of us are going to cross over and enter into a dimension and an expression of the goodness and the grace and the power of God that we've never tasted before. 
I don't care how long you've lived in the box that you're living in now. I want to tell you the rest of your life can be lived outside of that box in a place called freedom. And you don't have to be religious. You don't have to be trapped in religion. You really can taste the fullness of the Spirit of God. And in this house, over the last 21 months, something is changing in here. I want to declare this, and I even got this word last night, and I just believe it's true. Something's changing in me. Something's changing in us as leaders. Something's changing in the fabric and the DNA of this church. And it's, it's, not, it's not anything except an openness to embrace what God wants to do in our generation and to, and to never ever, listen to me carefully, to, and to never ever look back, to always keep our eyes moving forward into the depth and the thing and the fullness of what God has for us. And so revival apologetics is not just an attempt to explain something, it's an attempt to invite you into something so that the revelation God gives us will invite us into the experience itself. Amen. Amen. John chapter 11, verse 38. Holy Spirit, I need you today. 11, verse 38. This is a very familiar passage of Scripture about a man named Lazarus. You'll know the story when we begin to read it. Then Jesus, again groaning in himself, came to the tomb. It was a cave, and a stone lay against it. Jesus said, take away the stone. Martha, the sister of him who was dead, said to Jesus, Lord, by this time there is a stench, for he has been dead four days. How many know that's a long time to be dead? Jesus said to her, did I not say to you that it would be, if you would believe, you would see the glory of God? Then they took away the stone from the place where the dead man was laying, and Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. And I know that you always hear me, but because of the people who are standing by, I said this, that they may believe you sent me. Now when he had said these things, he cried with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. How many know it would have been a mistake just to say come forth? Because had he not said Lazarus, every dead man and woman on that hillside would have come crawling up out of the tomb. And there'd have been a real issue in Jerusalem on that day. How many know that? He had to call him by his name. He said, Lazarus, come forth. And he who had died came forth bound, hand and foot with grave clothes. His face was wrapped with a cloth. And Jesus said to them, you loose him. And you let him go. Loose him and let him go. And today I want to talk about freedom. I want to talk about freedom from demonic garbage. I said demonic. Yeah, we don't talk about demonic things in the church anymore. It's just not apropos anymore. But I'm going to tell you right now, I really believe God's been speaking to me about people getting freed from demonic garbage. And I want to talk about freedom today in Christ. And I want you to pray for me. And I want to pray for you that the Spirit of God would just speak to our hearts. And over these lips today and that Christ would be glorified in this place. Would you lift your voice and your hearts in prayer with me now? Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you, God, for this divine opportunity. It's a moment of, 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 of destiny for this house today. Lord, as we embrace what you've said and what you're doing, and we're back together as a family, and we're preparing for our future, I just thank you, Holy Spirit, for divine download that you've given this house. Oh, Holy Ghost, I pray for the word to flow freely today. 
the truth to be declared today. Things be explained. Information and revelation and wisdom be given. Let the spirit of revelation just come in this house today, God. Let the spirit of wisdom and revelation come into this house today, Father. I ask it in the name of Jesus. I pray it in Jesus' name and for your glory. And everybody said amen. You can be seated in the presence of the Lord. Man, there's so much in this text. And I, 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 the risk of preaching and teaching a text like this is, A, it's familiar, and B, it's loaded. And when something's familiar, we often approach it with a sense of casualness that sometimes keeps us from understanding the real reality and the depth of what God is trying to show us. So I don't want to be casual in my approach to this text. Neither do I want to attempt to extrapolate from all of uh, these scriptures the depth of revelation that is therein. But there is something that just uh, stuck out to me, and it came to me uh, last night specifically. We were talking about this at intercessory prayer. Miss Mary uh, she began to talk about this and it just sprung up in my spirit. It was a confirmation as to what I was going to be preaching today and what I was going to be talking about. I think this may actually be over the next couple of weeks, we'll see, about this whole issue of uh, not just deliverance and salvation, but freedom. God doesn't want to just save us. God doesn't want to just get us on our way to heaven. God wants us to walk in freedom as people. The Bible said where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. If the Son makes you free, you shall be free indeed. You shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. And one of the things that I have discovered in pastoring, and maybe you don't agree with this theologically, and, and really I'm not here to argue, but I am here to testify what I have seen over my 16 short years of being a lead pastor. I have seen people get saved but still live in bondage. Some of you can't handle this because you often think it's a one shop, a one trip uh, down to the altar, one, one attempt and one, one, one stop in the shop and that's all it takes. But I'm going to tell you, and, and that can happen and I've been a part of that and I've seen that, but oftentimes I've also seen that it takes a person, not just the salvation experience, but a, a moment when Christ the Deliverer shows up in their life to break chains and to reach into their heart, their mind, their soul, their psyche, their personality, and just pull out and remove some junk that is down on the inside. In this text, it's a beautiful explanation, in my opinion. It's just a, it is a tremendous, uh, it, is a, it is a tremendous uh, uh, revelation of how people can be brought out of a grave and experience new life, but there's still some stuff that they got to get rid of even after they're resurrected. And I just want to stop and tell you this because I am preaching about deliverance and it might offend you to know this, but everybody in this house no matter your color, the place you are in your socioeconomic rung on the ladder, no matter who your mama and your daddy were, no matter where you came from, what you look like, what you drive, what you live in, whether it's a hut or a high rise, can I tell you that everybody in this room needed deliverance from sin. We were all born into sin. There was not one righteous among us. I don't care if you think you came out of your mama's womb speaking in tongues or not, born under a piano in the church or whatever it was, you and I needed Needed Jesus. We were depraved, disconnected, separated from God. And had it not been for the shed blood of the Lord Jesus Christ, every one of us would be doomed and damned and on our way to hell with no hope in this world. 
So everybody in here needs to be able to praise God every Sunday for what the Lord has done because whether you know it or not, we all had our own baggage and our own mess and I just need to praise Him for five seconds for grace. Somebody help me praise God for delivering you. Now let me fix this because I know some of you think I'm not what I'm going to be or what I'm supposed to be. And I praise God that even though I'm not what I'm going to be and not what I'm supposed to be, I can testify that I am sure enough not who I used to be. And if my insufficiencies and adequacies and disqualifications get on your nerves, I need you to get off my back because I am a work in progress. And what God started, Lord, I feel like preaching. What God started in me, he will finish it. And I'm not there yet, but bless his name, I am on my way. Hallelujah. And it's good to know that all of us have been delivered who are saved. We talk about deliverance sometime and we act like deliverance is only for the crazy wild weirdos. But I'm gonna tell you, every one of us were messed up and needed Jesus. Every one of us were full of unrighteous deeds and darkness. We were led by the spirit of this world, the spirit that now works in the children of disobedience. But Paul said we've been made new in Christ. This is the greatest deliverance that can ever be testified of, that he brought me out of darkness and he brought me into his light. Hallelujah. So all of us have been delivered. How many are saved? Lift your hand if you're saved and you know it. If your hand's up in the air, you are a testimony of the delivering power of God. He brought us out. He called my name, and I ran out of that grave. How many remember, oh Lord, I better stop. How many remember the day he saved you? Some of us got saved when we were five years old and don't remember it, but anybody in here can remember the day he brought you out. He called your name and brought you out by grace. This is the miracle of deliverance. We've been saved from sin and from the rule of darkness and the devil. The devil no longer owns those who belong to Christ. And I have found out that after God brings you out of the grave, sometimes he has to bring some stuff off of your life. There are people who come to the altar and give their heart to Jesus and they come out of their tomb into a place of transformation. My, one of my favorite sermons to preach is the, from the tomb to the table. Lazarus went from the tomb in John chapter 11 to the table with Jesus in John chapter 12. Lord, I wish I had time. He went from death row to dominion. I don't have time to preach that today. What I want to preach about and talk about and teach today is about the grave clothes. Because God will bring you out of a tomb, but sometimes he's got to get the grave clothes off of you. And the Bible says something very fascinating to me in this text, and I need you to hear this. It says that he looked at the disciples and he told them, you loose him. And right here is where I feel like we've got to fix some things in the church. Because sometimes we don't want to embrace the nasty, nail-dirtying, 
ministry of deliverance. I'm coming. And especially in this modern day expression of cool church, it seems a bit too risky to embrace the ministry of deliverance. Let's just send them down the road to the weird church that takes time to pray for people. But we're in the process of doing our church uh, in 30 minutes thing and I, I'm not here to condemn and I'm not here to be mean-spirited or criticized because I thank God for all expressions and forms of church demonstration but I am terribly concerned that in our generation there are more people oppressed, vexed and demon-possessed by demons and there is less deliverance ministry going on than ever before which means we've got churches full of people that are still bound and wrapped up in grave and I'm not getting no help right here but today I came to tell this house that God is calling us to be equipped and anointed with truth, authority and power so that every work of the devil can be put out of business and lives can be restored to hope in Christ and I'm, I'm I am there are two times where the Bible says that Jesus came to destroy the works of the devil. I'm pulling it up. I'm, I'm techie here. Real techie. John, 1 John 3, 8. For this purpose was the Son of God manifested that he might destroy. Somebody say destroy. The works of the devil. Hebrews 2, verse 14. I'm preaching about Jesus today. That through death, Jesus might destroy him that had the power of death. That is the devil. Lord God, help me today. Two times in your Bible, Jesus came to destroy the works of and the person of the devil. I want to tell you, based on the word of God, the devil is not going to be put out of business. For those who know God and are in Christ and have Christ living in them and they're walking in authority, Satan and his works have already been dealt with at Calvary. This is not just a futuristic salvation and deliverance. This is a right here in the nasty now, a promise that Christ is King of Kings and Christ is Lord of Lords and that wherever you find the devil working, Christ is raising up a people who will walk the breadth and width of this earth in his high and holy name and run that devil right out of business. Somebody give God praise in here today. I don't believe in the devil. I don't care if you don't believe in him. He's real. And there are people whose lives have been ravaged and wrecked by demon spirits. And I'm going to tell you, and you're not going to, some of you won't agree with this, but many of them are sitting in churches. And we preach a victory and we preach an overcoming and we preach a, a breakthrough that many people do not demonstrate or experience. 
and there is a disconnection between our theology and the content of our sermon and the experience that many people live. And I'm going to tell you why I believe that is. Because we ignore the grave clothes. We ignore the grave clothes. Let me just teach a while. Do you understand that over one-third of Jesus' ministry was deliverance from demons? Okay, you don't believe me. 37 miracles recorded in the Gospels of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Of the 37 miracles recorded, 11 of them have demonic activity going on. And I find it interesting in Mark's rendition of the Great Commission, Jesus said, go into all the world and preach the gospel. And these signs shall follow in Mark 16 for my scripture checkers. These signs will accompany and follow those that believe. Well, there ain't no signs following me, then you don't believe. I'm not being mean. I'm trying to challenge some of you out of complacency into faith. This Holy Ghost and this Christian doctrine is not just a matter of word. It is not just a matter of teaching and didache and doctrine. Paul said, I didn't come just with a word, but the kingdom is demonstrated in power. The first thing Jesus said that will follow them that believe in the in the Mark rendition of the Great Commission in Mark 16, the first thing that will follow those that believe, ready for this? They shall cast out devils. I believe in the law of first order and the order of first things. When God speaks about something first, it has a sense of ex expediency and importance. When you see that the first thing he said is to cast out devils, it's the first thing he said. How many know that would be important to God? Over one-third of Jesus' ministry, he ran the devil out of business that was set up in the lives of people. As I began to study this, I began to see as I read various reflections on demonic, the conversation of demonic and demon things, I, I began to see the reflections of people, how nervous the church is to talk about deliverance. As if not talking about it makes them go away. Well, it's going to be rough for a minute here. And so here's where everybody gets real bent out of shape real quick. Are you saying Christians can have demons? I am telling you that you can be born again and love Jesus, but open the door for darkness to have some influence in your life. 
Now, you call that what? Okay, you don't believe me. That's okay. Good. I got scripture for you. Go to Ephesians 4. I'm going to teach this. Ephesians 4. I will tell you very clearly and unequivocally that a born-again, spirit-filled person with the Holy Spirit living in them, no, I do not believe that person can be possessed in the same place that the Holy Spirit is living on the inside of them. Because light and dark don't mix and salt and so salt water and fresh water don't mix and Bilal and Jesus are not going to inhabit the same place. Here's what I believe. When Jesus moves into your spirit, the devil packs his U-Haul up and gets out. But, Ephesians 4, 27, give no place to the devil. He is not talking to sinners. I'm going to walk around here. He is not talking to sinners. He is talking to born-again Christians. And he's dealing with a people who are saved but dabbling. And I'm not going to get no help from the dabblers in here today. But there are some people who are saved enough to claim heaven as home, but not free from the grave clothes enough to know what it feels like, right, God, to have no chain binding you. I'm going to tell you why. Because you, if I and I, if we're not careful, all you have to do for the enemy to come in is to give him a place. Saved, but got darkness running through the halls of your house. Oh, I'm not talking about your zip code and your address. I'm talking about this house. I need some real free people to help me preach this for the next five minutes because there's enough religion in here for some people. I feel the vibe coming. Some of us give Satan a place. Let me be real practical here. You can't watch. Oh, here we go. Old-fashioned Wallace getting ready to come out. Here we go. Crump, pray for me. Here we go. You can't watch nudity uh -huh. and then run to the altar and wonder why you can't defeat lust. It feeds it. You can't listen to music, and listen, listen, everybody, everybody hear me, please. I like Christmas music. I like romance music. We, I sing love songs sometimes. I, I like the Star Spangled Banner. Every now and then, every now and then, we just listen to some, play me some mountain music, like Grandma and Grandpa used to play. But that is very different than exposing your heart to lyrics and to images that become an open door for the devil to get a place in your life. You can't talk to me about struggling with adultery if all you ever watch is movies about people having affairs and wondering why you can't shake. I'm not getting much help. There's a few of them.
of us, but there's some people in here real nervous today. Slap your neighbor, tell them, hey, shut the door on the devil. My God, if you want to walk in freedom, keep the devil out. If you want to walk in liberty, don't give him a place. Now this feels legalistic, that's the problem. Our milksop, watery grace teachings that have emerged in our generation have made us confused as to spiritual responsibility and we no longer believe in holiness unto the Lord. But I will remind you, your body is not your own. You have been bought with a price. Don't use your liberty as an occasion to the flesh. If he brought you out, get to walking and live in the light. Don't go back into the darkness. This is tough, but this is right. Jesus didn't come just to get me to heaven. He came to take my bondage off of me. Jesus wants to set us free. The problem is we want to be saved, but we don't know about set free. Because nobody I ever met wants to go to hell. You know that? I never met one person that looked me in the eye. In my 39 years of living, I never met one person that looked me in the eye and said, I'm ready to go to hell. <laughs> nobody wants to go to hell. But I met a bunch of people that don't want to go to hell, but want to live in it while they're on their way to heaven. And I'm telling you right now, the Lord God did not send his son so that we could have life little bit. He said, I came that you might have life and that you might have it more abundantly. Now, some of you need to go shut the door on the devil and get him out of your family and your house and your living room and your car and your office computer. And I'm going to keep going till I hit what you're dealing with because Christ came to set all of you free. He came to set every part of us free. Hallelujah. Jesus, help me today. I'm amazed that we teach how to improve our lives, how to better our finances, how to better our marriages, but by and large, we do not teach people how to deal with the demonic forces that they are fighting. I suppose we think if we ignore it, it will not show up in our lives or our churches. Much of our ignorance exists because by and large, we, the church, have not talked about deliverance from demonic spirits. We don't talk about it much because in most in instances it has been twisted into some wild unscriptural activity that spooks people out and seems to be out of control chaos. But deliverance is not, before I talk about what it is, let me talk about what it's not. It is not hunting for demons. It is not hunting for darkness. Deliverance is not demon busting or demon fighting. Deliverance is turning the light on for people living in darkness. Deliverance is revealing truth so that people bound by lies can walk in the truth and no longer be bound by the lies. Deliverance is exercising the authority we have in Christ. We get these bizarre manifestations from people who want to be the center of attention I read an article made me nauseous. The demon buster. 
Let me tell you who the demon buster is. It's not her or him. I don't care how long her hair is and how shiny his shoes are. They are not the demon buster, baby. There is only one who came with all power and ran the devil out of business. And if you don't operate in his name and in his authority, you will run home like the seven sons of Sceva, having been stripped of all of your dignity and no victory in your midst. If you're going to have victory, victory in Jesus, my Savior forever. He, the one that does the victory. So here's what I found out. I found out there are different things demons do to different people. Demons possess people. The demoniac who was deaf and mute in Mark 8, the Bible says he was a demoniac. He had been filled, inhabited, and occupied in the sense of ownership by demons. People can be filled and possessed with demons. I met some on Black Friday. <laughs> Jesus, Lamb of God. I never seen such foolishness over $20. Have you ever seen a devil manifest over $20 savings? People can be possessed by a devil. Actually, in the Bible, it says that demons caused one man to be driven into the fire. Demons will possess people. Demons will drive people. Oh, Lord, have mercy. Like a car. Take them wherever he wants them to go. That's why before my children lay their head down at night and before they walk out the door every morning, I cancel every assignment of every demon-possessed, demon-led, demon-driven person. You say, oh my God, that's a little wild. When you, when you are fed up with watching news reports of another teenager going into a church and shooting people at a prayer meeting, you'll start binding and loosing and praying in the name of the Lord that your babies walk in the covering of the angelic host of heaven. Now, I know you could argue with me about theology all you want. And you say, well, what happens if it don't work? Well, thus far I give God glory that every time I pray, God's kept my baby safe, and I give him the glory for it. Not my prayer, it's his goodness. People can be possessed, literally filled and inhabited. When Jesus got off the boat in Mark 5 with the disciples, the Bible said that he encountered a man. A man who didn't have just one demon, but he had a legion of them. In fact, when Jesus said, what is your name? He said, legion, for we are many. That's, that's how people show up to church sometimes. They got all kind of issues. You ask them what's wrong? Many things. But the, uh, this is crazy. When I read that scripture, it blew my mind, Elder, that the people in the city were not afraid of a man who lived in a cave. 
They were not afraid of a man who chained himself and broke the chains. They were not afraid of a man who cut himself. But when Jesus got through with that dear brother, he was sitting down and clothed and in his right mind, God gave him back his future in one split second. That's how good Jesus is. But watch this. This is bizarre. This is bizarre. The people got afraid at the fact that he had been delivered. Read the text. It said the people were afraid of what had happened to the man. Now that's how crazy this world is. They don't have a problem with you being confused, tormented, oppressed, depressed, possessed. You ever let somebody who was jacked up get free and religious people start living in fear? What's wrong with you? Jesus didn't come so that we could sit through church and be miserable and go home miserable and come back miserable and endure misery. Jesus came to set us free. What's wrong with people? be possessed you can be driven then I found this out demons can actually vex people we teach this go to Luke 6 go to Luke 6 I'm gonna slow down a minute Luke 6 Verse, I'm in Luke 9, that's why it ain't there. I started rebuking that thing. If you have a King James, it says tormented. If you have a new King James, pardon me, if you have a new King James, it says tormented. If you have a King James, it says vexed. But I want you to look at verse 18 of Luke 6. Uh, let me give you some context. Verse 17, he came down with them and stood on a level place with a crowd of his disciples. And a great multitude of people from Judea and Jerusalem and from the seacoast of Tyre and Sidon who came near to him, came to hear him and be healed of their diseases as well as those who were tormented or vexed with unclean spirits and they were healed. Amen. If you're taking notes, underline the word tormented or vexed and underline the word healed. Let me give you some explanation, please. Vexed is the Greek word okleo. This is crazy. It means to stir up a mob against one person. To disturb or molest. This, these people who came to Jesus in Luke 6, hear me very clearly. They were not demon-possessed. They were demonically vexed by a mob of demon spirits. Who, who tormented and tried to sabotage their quality of life, the tranquility of life, their joy in life. Listen to me. If Satan cannot possess you, and, and, and he knows if you're born again, he can't. If he can't possess you in that sense, then he'll try to vex you and molest you and try to disturb your quality of life. Many people in this room, Satan has sent spirits in a mob to torment your mind. 
You are born again and on your way to heaven, but you don't know that sometimes. You don't feel that sometimes. You don't walk in your kingdom privilege sometimes. You live as a stepchild when in reality you're an heir with God and a joint heir with Jesus Christ. Satan does everything he can to steal, kill, and destroy. There are some people in this room, precious sons and daughters of God, who are on their way to heaven. But you have not exercised your authority over the enemy that has been sent to mob you. And religion taught you to take it on the chin. Religion said just take it on the chin. We all suffer. By and by when the morning comes, when all the saints of God are gathered home, we'll tell the story how we overcome, understand it better, and by and by farther along we'll know all about it. What's wrong with those songs? Nothing except the theology is rotten. I don't have to wait till I get to heaven to know joy. Fullness of joy, yes. But in this nasty now, Christ has given us a provision of freedom, deliverance, and joy. And when you are under an attack and you're being mobbed by the vexed, languishing, heavy, depressed, no joy, no peace, no sleep, can't be thankful for anything. Thanksgiving Day, hey, how you doing? Horrible. It's not normal. Stop living like that's just your lot in life. Some of you are getting ready to change the rest of your life by stepping into an authority that's always been there, but you haven't known it. God's about to give somebody in here. I feel this thing on me right now. There is a power and an authority that comes in the name of the Lord. I'm going to tell you a story. I don't share my story about this chapter in my life because, A, I don't like to cast my pearl before swine, and sometimes people don't understand what God does for somebody, and they just, they just think you're a little crazy. But there was a season in my life where for two years... I'm telling you, there were days I was suicidal. Y'all can't handle this. Some of you can't handle this. There were days I was suicidal. There was days I didn't eat. And y'all know that's weird for me. I would lay in my bed in a fetal position at Lee University, Hughes Hall, room 111. I'd lay in my bed in a fetal position. And I know some of you think I'm crazy, but there were days I heard demon spirits mocking and laughing at me in my room. You say, ah, oh, he's hearing things. It was so real, I'd get up and I'd look under the bed to see if somebody was playing a joke on me. I'd open my closet door to see if somebody was in my closet making fun and, 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 and pulling my leg. It was so, and it would paralyze me in fear. And I would lay in my bed and I, my mama would tell, tell you this, my daddy would tell you this. It was the most dark season of my life. It was hell on earth. And I lived that way for almost two years. And one day, the Lord spoke. I had not heard the voice of the Lord in such a a long time and I was a I was an old teenager I was 18 19 years old and one day the Spirit of God spoke to me and gave me one instruction and I followed that instruction and I'll never forget the day it changed I'll never forget the day it began to break it's the day I opened my mouth and started talking back to the thing that had been talking to me I feel the power of God on me right now some of you have let the devil torment you. Some of you have let the devil vex you. Some of you have allowed a mob of demon spirits to come upon you. But I can't.
quit it because I feel like something is about to happen. When Jesus shows up, you and him are a majority in any situation. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in this world. I'll tell you why I'm not listening, and I respect the kingdom of darkness. You say, what do you mean? I don't think you take it trivially. I don't think you treat it lightly. In fact, the book of Jude says that Michael would not even bring a railing accusation against demons. He understood and respected darkness. And some of us in this room just think we march around with this frivolous attitude of, oh, we just deal with the devil however we want. No, you deal with him humbly before Christ in the name of Jesus. And I want to tell somebody in this room today, when you sense darkness, you don't have to find five friends to get in agreement with you. Run into your prayer closet, open up your mouth, and begin to tell the devil who's trying to kill your children, you will not have my daughter, you will not have my son. You will not have my marriage. I feel the Holy Ghost on me right now. Some of you need to open up your mouth. Exercise your authority. Bind the devil in the name of Jesus and run him out of your life. Defeat has a sound. It's called silence. Oh, Lord, I could, I'm going to have to finish this next week. Every time Jesus encountered demonic things, he didn't sit down and talk to him about his life's history. Jesus rebuked the devil. Do you know what that rebuke means? It means shut up. Just shut up, devil. I'm telling you right now, I feel something getting up on the inside of me. There's somebody in this room, in this place today. You've been in bondage for a long time. I've pastored you, and you've loved God, but you've sat in bondage for a long time. I'm reminded of a woman in the Gospel of St. Luke who for 18 years came back to the same synagogue, and she was bent over with a weight of infirmity. But one day Jesus showed up, and I feel I'm about to show up for somebody. When he walked into that synagogue, 18 years, six plus six plus six, 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 six. The devil was in business in the synagogue. Oh, but when Christ the deliverer showed up, Jesus said to the woman, loose her and let her go. I don't know who I came to preach to, but I feel the fire of the Holy Ghost on me right now. You may have been in bondage two decades, but if the sun sets you free, you shall be free of me. Somebody praise him. Somebody praise Christ the deliverer. I can't read, see, I gotta see something. He, the devil vexes people. Well, the nine o'clock people are mad they're not gonna get to their favorite restaurant, and the 1145 people are so happy they're gonna get there. Hallelujah. Boy, I just got them all stirred up today, don't I? I love it, hallelujah. I'm gonna stop right here with this. 
demons will mob you until Christ shows up and you let him deliver you. Here's the thing. Watch this. This word may sound like God missed it, but listen carefully. When Jesus encountered these precious people in Luke 6, 18, it says that many who were vexed by demons were healed. Now, this is crazy because that word for healing is not the other Greek word used for healing in the rest of the New Testament. In the rest of the New Testament, healing is dealing directly with physical ailment. But this word healing is therapuao. It's where we get therapy. Oh. oh, I'm getting ready to tear the devil up right here in Jesus' name. Because I found out he is wonderful. Counselor. Sometimes when you've been mobbed and molested, vexed and oppressed, when you've been tormented all night and day, when you lost sleep and cried tears, when you had fears and you wondered and you thought and you were tormented, sometimes it's good to come to the house of the Lord on a Sunday morning and to sit down on a couch called grace and to pull up to a table called mercy and to let Counselor Jesus deal with what has been trying to torment you I came to tell you the greatest therapy I ever had was not somebody massaging my back it wasn't somebody giving me a new pill the greatest therapy I've ever had in my life is to walk into the presence of the King of Glory and him to put his hand on everything I've been dealing with and the stuff that followed me into his presence all he has to do is look at my enemy and my enemy has to go because in the presence of the Lord there is fullness of joy. Here, listen to this, I'm done. Have you ever been sitting beside somebody? I'm done in three minutes. Have you ever been, I don't have to rush, what am I doing? Have you ever been sitting beside somebody? And you, and you, you hear them start screaming? Oh, it got quiet. That was weird. Been sitting in church like this and somebody let out a shriek, what is it? Well, sometimes people let out a shout, other people let out a shriek. You have to have discernment to know what the sound is connected to. I've been doing this long enough and many seasoned saints in here been doing this long enough to know when, when a sound comes forth, sometimes it's a shout. Other times it's a sound. And uh, when it's a sound of demonic heaviness and oppression, I start immediately praying, God, we're going to have victory over that thing. Now I want, to, I want you to hear me say something. I'm through. Uh, transition for me, Brian. Um, please. You have to know the difference because if you don't know the difference in sound, you can start binding something that's already free and you can start loosening something that really needs to be bound. Y'all missed what I just said right there. Have you ever heard somebody start making a sound and you say, oh no, that ain't right. But then people who just like noise start saying, oh, praise the Lord, they're shouting. No, that ain't shouting, baby. 
That's a devil. <laughs> and then there are other times when people are free and you say, that's too loud. You need to get over yourself. They just got something in the Holy Ghost that you don't even know. You got to let them shout sometimes. Let me give you this while I'm closing. Stand with me. Stand with me because I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell you this too. I don't know why I keep leaving them down there. Um, one of the changes that's coming in this house, and I feel like pastorally I should explain this to you, is that there's going to be more ministry, not in the middle of the service, but at the end of the preaching from now on. Because God began to speak to me and said to Devin and I, the word brings faith. And many times because we were in such a hurry to end the first service and get to the second service, I did good just to get a salvation altar call in. But how many know when you preach a word like this and many other words that we're going to have going forward, there needs to be a time of ministry and it needs to come after the, the word is being preached and declared. So there's going to be a transition here in this house and we're going to start having altar calls of ministry at the end of service. And if you don't need it and don't need to stay, you get to leave. But we're not going to feel pressure to stay or leave. We're going to do what the Spirit of God says do. And as long as God is ministering, that's how long I'm going to be here. Okay? So there's no shame. If you got to leave early, you get the word. But if you're not in, you, you got to go somewhere, or this wasn't for you, that's wonderful. I'm getting ready to pray in a minute. And you're going to be released. But we're going to minister to people. And I'm going to do that every Sunday. I'm not going to be in a hurry anymore. I don't have to. I don't have to. But, but, at the same time, I don't have to start preaching at 1 o'clock in the afternoon either because we ministered all through the middle of the service. We're going to have worship. We're going to take the offering. We're going to preach. And I'm not saying that if God wants to break in, he can't. But I'm talking about what God is saying to me is the word needs to have time to be activated. And I don't have to hurry through this anymore. Let me go back and look at this note here. Give me one second. Now, in the Old Testament, in the Old Testament, the only, the only, uh, one of the only places that we have as a source of information on how to deal with demonic spirits is the story of David and Saul. In the Old Testament, in order to deal with demonic spirits, David just simply had to play a, a, a harp. And when he played the harp under the anointing, the demon spirit left Saul. That's the only way some people know how to deal with a demon spirit is to get in the right atmosphere. I, I have nothing wrong with musical instruments soothing a soul. But as we found out in the lives of Saul, that's a temporary fix. You flip over to the New Testament, the Gospel of St. Luke, Jesus walks in and starts casting demons out of a man who was sitting in the synagogue. And here's what the Bible says in the Gospel of St. Luke. They were all amazed at this, watch, at this new doctrine. The word doctrine is the Greek word didache. It's a new teaching. It was so wild and so far-fetched to them to see Jesus walk in and with one word cast the demon out of a man. Because in the Old Testament, the only way they knew how to deal with a demonic force was to get a harp and play an instrument. And now Jesus walks into a place where there's no sound, there's no, there's no atmosphere. I gotta have the right atmosphere to do ministry oh no not Jesus Jesus walked in without a pipe organ or without a Hammond b3 or without David's harp Jesus looked at the man Jesus looked at the demon and said shut up and come out of him 
And everybody said, what manner of man is this? He doesn't even need an atmosphere. Some of you have got to, some of us, it's bougie Christianity. Bougie Christianity. It's high maintenance. We got to have the atmosphere right. No, we're coming into a revelation that we don't have to have the right atmosphere. I love atmospheres. I'm all about shifting them. But deliverance doesn't ride in on the sound of an organ. Deliverance rides in on authority in the name of Jesus. I'm going to tell you right now, this is not for bishops, apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. This is for deacons and elders and Sunday school teachers and members and people just sitting in the church who file papers on Monday through Friday and count money on Monday through Friday and they're full of the Spirit of God and they're tired of having to watch their co-workers and loved ones and neighbors suffer at the hands of the devil. Jesus came to put the devil out of business. When he brings them out of darkness, he'll look at you and I and say, now that I've raised them up, you loose them. And I want to declare over this house, some of, some of us are going to have to get over our, I'm scared. I'm scared when people come in and they look like they're full of darkness. Where do you want them to go? Down to the Piggly Wiggly? You want to find that on aisle three? Deliverance on aisle, come on. There's only one place a bound man or woman can find hope. I'm a, no, no. I'm going to tell you why most people don't teach and preach this. And it's part of the reason why I haven't a lot. It's the fear of what happens if you pray for people and they don't get set free. Then what are people going to say? And I'm tired of living in that fear. I'm just tired of it. I'm tired of avoiding the challenge in fear of what might be felt if people don't get what they came for. Somebody's got to just turn the light on here. And in our generation, God is raising up an army of deliverance-minded sons and daughters who not only have tasted freedom for themselves, but they communicated and demonstrated in the lives of other people. Heads bowed, eyes closed. If you're in this place and you need Christ to save you, you're not saved and you're not born again and you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, I want you to lift your hand when I say three and say, Pastor, pray for me. I need to be born again. I want to give my heart to Jesus and I want him to save me today. One, two, three. Lift your hand if that is you, please, right now. I just need to get right with God. Somebody in here needs to get right with God. If I'm talking to you, just throw your hand up. Say, Pastor, pray for me. I need to get right with God. I see that hand. God bless you. Anybody else? Mm -hmm. I see your hand, sir. God bless you. You can put your hands down. Everyone look at me. In just a second, there's a person standing on your left and right. Some of you may, you may know that person on your left and right. You may have known them your whole life. You may have never met them before today. But I want you to look at them in just a second and ask them the most important question you could ask someone in your life. Do you need someone to go pray with you at that altar? And if you lifted your hand or you know you should have, when your neighbor asks you if you need to get born again, I want you to just to say yes, they're going to come with you and I'm going to stand right here and wait on you and we're going to pray for people to be saved and brought out of the cave of death into the life of Jesus. Right now, would you ask your neighbor, do you need someone to go with you to the altar? And if you lifted your hand or you should have, come stand with me right now. Anyone at all. I want to get right with God. Don't wait. Today is the day of salvation. 
anyone who wants to get right with God, come ahead. Come on. Anybody at all? I saw a few hands. I don't come get people. And I know this is uncomfortable and some people say, oh, do this in your chair. You can do that if you want to. I just believe somebody who really wants to come into the light is going to make it. Thank you for coming, baby. Anybody else? I want to give my heart to the Lord. Don't, there's no shame. Come on. Come on, sweetheart. Come on. I want to give my heart to Jesus. Come on. Hey, hey. There's still room. Come on. There's still time. Come on, sweetheart. This is why we came to church today. Come on. You may, you may say, oh, they're just coming down. Let me tell you, I get testimonies every week of people sitting in this place who've gotten saved a year or two or three ago and they're still walking with Christ and they still got victory and God has changed their life and turned it around. Don't you ever write somebody off who walks down this aisle and gives their heart to Jesus. Come on, they're still coming. I wish somebody would help me praise God. There's still room. Come on home. Come on home. Hey, hey, come on home. Somebody needs to come home. This is home. Jesus is home. Come on, come on, baby. There's room. I'm going to wait all day long on somebody. Come on. At the cross, at the cross, where I first saw the light, rolled away. It was there by faith. Stretch your hands toward him and pray for him. If you got to go, we understand. We love you. God bless you. And we'll see you Wednesday night at 7 o'clock. Those of you staying with me, just stretch your hands toward this altar and bless these precious people as we pray for them. At the cross, at the cross, where I first saw the light and the burden. I receive if you're watching me by live stream right now and you're asking pastor will you please pray for me I need Jesus to rescue me I need to get right with God maybe you've fallen away maybe you've walked away from Christ and today he's pulling you back close to him I want to pray for you right now. Lord, I thank you for your grace and mercy that follow us all the days of my life. And for that brother or sister that is watching today that just wants to come closer to you, some of them want to come back home. I thank you that the doors are open today, Lord, and you're welcoming them in. And I thank you that they're never going to be the same. As they call on your name right now, you're going to rescue them and save them. Forgive every sin, heal them of their past, and make them free. In Jesus' precious name, it is done. If you prayed that prayer and Christ is touching your life, I want you to send us a message. Someone from our team will follow up with you, and we want to make sure that you have what you need to walk with Christ in victory. Can we thank God today for what he's done in this house? I know they're still praying. I know some are leaving, and we bless you as you leave. But if you're in this place today and you'd say, Pastor Kevin, I need this freedom. I'm being vexed. I'm being oppressed. I'm being assaulted by demonic spirits, and I need prayer. I want you to come stand in the altar right now.
I just want you to come stand in the altar right now. We're going to have some people come and pray. If you need freedom from the attack of the enemy, you've been tormented, you've been, you've been attacked in your mind, in your heart, in your family, in your marriage, I want you to come stand with me right here. Come stand. Just lift your hands. People are coming from all over this house. Just come and lift your hands so I know who we're praying for. Jesus. 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 I want to be free from this, Pastor. There's somebody in this room today that needs to shut the door on the devil. You've been given the enemy place in your life. You've been living, letting the enemy have access and you've been wondering why this spiritual attack is coming. Something's in your house. Something has gotten into your house. You gotta put it and that spirit out. We're gonna pray now, but this is going to be the first step of an ongoing freedom because some of you are gonna have to go home and slam the door shut on some wickedness. I'm not talking about you're engaged in it. Some of you just didn't know. Some, some of us sometimes get in a place we just let stuff in. We, ignorant of we didn't know there's a person in here I know this sounds crazy but a Ouija board I keep seeing a Ouija board was used and you've allowed something to come in it's a spirit y'all and I'm not trying to be funny but there's a demonic assignment that comes through some of that witchcraft mess and you're gonna have to get that thing broken off your life today some of you've dabbled in the occult and you just got close enough you've saw psychics are not appropriate for Christians Terror cards are not appropriate for Christians. You don't need to call a Jamaican hot mama to get your future read to you on a 1-800 number. You need to run to Jesus and ask him to cleanse your life. And I'm talking to somebody in this room right now. Shut the door! Now I need elders and pastors to come help me right now. I don't want us to do anything but enforce the authority and the name of Jesus. I need every one of you to lift your hands all over this place. The Spirit of Truth is going to give us revelation. Come on. God's going to give us discernment over what to break and what to pray. We're not going to push you in the floor. I don't care if you fall or not. What I want you to do is open your heart to the Holy Spirit and ask Him to show you what you need to shut the door on because this thing is coming off and out and away from you today. I need some people in this house right now that are staying with me and hanging with me to begin to intercede and pray in the Spirit. Spirit of God. Spirit of God. Spirit of God. Come on, let's just begin to pray. Spirit of God. Have your way today, Lord. I am forcing the authority of the name of Jesus and the power of your Holy Spirit. Every victory that you won for us, Lord Jesus. I need the worship team to get microphones. You're going to begin to worship and sing. This is going to be a new flow, but altar time is going to be filled with worship. If you've got to leave, I understand. Just do it quietly and reverently. Everyone staying is worshiping. The Lord is going to give freedom to our brothers and sisters today. Loose today. No more vexation. No more oppression. No more torment. In the name of the Lord. In the name of Jesus. I loose you right now, sweetheart. Oh, loose her.
by the power of the Holy Ghost. Thank you, God, for touching Tammy's life today. I command the vexation and the torment to go from her now. You will not torment her another day. I thank you for therapy today. Oh, 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 shut up. I thank you for therapy today, God. Loosing him now. Oh, therapy today. Therapy today. Loose her. Spirit of torment, go. Go in the name of Jesus. It's robbing you of sleep. It's tormenting you. I command it to leave your life in the name of the Lord. Looser. 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 Shut the door, sir. Shut the door. Today the door shuts. It's new life in Christ. 